a Shishkin Productions podcast. You have your radio recording devices on? Get them on. It happens all over the world. People come together, kicking a soccer ball around, and it's a great uniter. Find me. I don't care anymore. Drain my bank account. I don't give a shit anymore. Okay? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Calling All Casuals. Casuals. The only podcast out there for the casual soccer fan. A soccer fan who doesn't take life too seriously. I'm Alexi on my quest to become the second most uh, known Alexi, I guess, in the soccer media space. And I'm Amy, the... uh the resident casual. The resident cash. Always casual. And I'm Eric the producer. Eric I'm, the I'm back producer. out here producing the shit out of this show. Thank God you're Ooh. back. It was, it was rough eh? without you last we, week. We missed him. We missed him. Yeah. It, it was a, a lot of uh, just times when we were like, oh, man, what would Eric say about this? <laughs> you know. And now we're going to know. Um, let's get into real quick catch up on the things we were most excited for last week. Amy, you were most excited for uh, the, what do they call it? The uh, season desistico. A lot, a lot of <laughs> some people were calling it the uh, Darby Q. The Darby Q. I like <laughs> it was, that. Uh, what is it? St. Louis versus Kansas City. Because they both got good barbecue. I don't know if you picked up on that one. I did. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very nice. Very clever. Um, yeah. You know, it was not as exciting as I thought. No Because way. SKC just got totally smoked. It was 4-0. They there was a penalty call in the first goal. It should not have been a penalty. It ruined the entire fucking game. Yeah. Um, for me, I said I was excited for Hell Is Real, and that was an incredible match. Cincinnati versus Columbus, three two to um, who was it to Cincinnati? I think. Yeah. It was it was a incredible match, and I missed it. Missed the whole thing. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch that one either. I got to the bar, and there was a lot of Cincinnati fans there, and I was congratulating all of them. That was great. And then I sat there and watched uh, Kansas City get smoked. Yeah. While I ate a uh, ham sandwich. Nice. Ham sandwiches are always good. It was a, it was a nice pressed ham sandwich. It was at the Banter Bar. Shout out Banter Bar. They have good uh, they have good veggie sausages there. They're they're the best yeah. place in and New an York. amazing bread and their mustard is just their service is impeccable. Yeah. They have a ton of beers. Yeah. We should do a live episode of Banter Bar one That'd of these days. Cool. Maybe It'd like for the like, Last game of the season or something. Uh, it'd be a little chaotic. Well, a little loud. In I mean, there, we record during the day. Like, it would be pretty loud. In no, there. no, no. We post record during the, the day on like Fridays or yeah. whatever. It'll be fine. You yeah. know, we'll just yeah. post up in the corner. That'd be fun. They would let us do it. I guarantee it. Yeah. It'll Speaking be, of banter, sick. did you make it for darts? Didn't go. Didn't go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fucked up all of my Oh, things. man. All the plans fell through. Huh? <laughs> this Tuesday, I'll also not be going because I'm going to the Mets game. But next Tuesday, maybe I'll finally go <laughs> yeah. to darts. It'll happen one day. Um, Amy, before we get in the show, where can the people find us? You can find us on Twitter. We are at Calling Casuals. You could also email us. We keep asking for your emails. We want to know your questions. You yeah. can hit us up, callingallcasuals at gmail.com. And TikTok, we got to get those numbers up. I don't know where we're at today. I didn't check the count, but still waiting for that 4K yeah. follower mark. We're and then about we'll... 3.8K right now. Okay. Okay. So we're getting there. We're getting there. Ooh. The content is coming. Uh, once we hit 4K, we're on TikTok at Calling All Casuals. So yep. keep an eye out there. Yeah. Once we get to 4K, you'll start seeing some amazing videos that we're going to post. Thrilling content. And um, not using the help of AI at all. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know. But that's something I'll offline with you about. Okay. I may have found a new service that's pretty cool. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last week's picks. We have some big news. We because do. Because for the first time in his young MLS career as a fan, 
Eric has won the picks. It's what is like third week as a fan. Holy smokes. <laughs> I'm he a new fan it. and I'm on the board. Um, yeah, you're you're on that this board. Was, this was a pretty wild week. It was very tight. It was very close between us all. We I all mean, did really bad. Yeah, the, like I think a lot of the matches just ended much differently than we expected so yeah it's a, it's a lottery like every single week in the mls well that's yeah. why mls is fucking dope is because the parody is real like it's not you know it's not like you have the same big teams winning over and over again yeah i mean the the biggest upsets were seattle losing and yeah. new england losing i was pretty pissed that portland won or lost i mean i wish they won but i was pretty pissed that they lost we gave it up right at the end it was going to be a draw and then literally scored on at the last kick of the ball yeah. dude it was so fucking demoralizing shut the fuck up he's smiling <laughs> over there I he saw, loves it i saw that yeah because he and picked that was one of the ones yep, that was one of the ones that i got right and absolutely yeah. nailed i was it. i right was looking good too because so i i guessed it was going to be a draw so. you know what's crazy is that Really on a knife's edge because if Minnesota hadn't scored at the last minute, Amy would have won the week. Yep, crucial goal on, for me. But you just never know what can happen. And the Red Bulls, they won finally. They they made it happen. They pulled through, so that was exciting. And to Dante see. Uh, Van Zier, the uh, the guy who got thrown out for racist language, he made he's made his return midweek during U.S. Open Cup, scored a banger, and then later in the uh, match they subbed on their goalie. Carlos Coronel as a field player they had the the kit man made him a fresh jersey in the back because they didn't have no one way. but they printed him a Carlos Coronel number one jersey subbed him on at the towards the end of extra time uh, that kind of shows how seriously I guess they take US Open Cup and then they lost in penalties Dante Van Zier mm. missed his penalty so that's oh, why they man. lost oh, it was a very he's gotta do wild. better all, all around eventful match very eventful. Maybe that's a great way to get into the news. We can follow that one of two ways. We can either go to racist incidents or we can talk about U.S. Open Cup real briefly. Yeah. Um, which one you want to go to? Uh, we might as well just let's start with the worst and we'll okay. get better. All right, we'll tackle it. Vinicius Jr. We all know what happened there. Um, Real were playing Valencia, I believe. Is that right? Um, and there was basically a lot of abuse that Vinicius was receiving, mm. uh, racist abuse from the Valencia fans. And finally, towards the end of the match, I think he'd had enough. Like, he kept complaining to the referee, and the referee was like, I'm not going to do anything. And so finally, he, like, towards the end of the match, I guess, like, started, you know, he approached, I believe, the supporters, but it wasn't an immediate. It was just like he was pissed. And yeah. um, then a scrum broke out, and some the Valencia goalkeeper basically like put him in a headlock from the videos I saw. And uh, at the end of it, it all just kind of, when it shook out, the referee just gave Vinicius a red card and sent him off. And uh, wow, a lot of, I mean, it's it was pretty pretty nasty stuff um there was like even uh effigies i believe is what they said an effigy of him that was burnt like they oh my god yeah dude it was like really fucking bad so it come on like that's i mean i i know that i'm never going to understand the soccer culture like in in other places but that come on guys like how are grown people like that's ridiculous yeah it's it's pretty crazy and then um from what i'd seen up until now the uh la liga president javier tebas he was making very milk toast statements about it where Mm -hmm. he was just like you know this happens everywhere and he's like it happens to the bigger players too like what but i think that he's walked that back since then i'm not sure but basically uh, i think seven people ended up getting arrested uh then i think three or four of them were out on bail or something like that but um so like there is a little bit of action being taken it's just frustrating that like 
Because to me, the frustrating part is that Vini got the red during the match. Because, like, if you look at those highlights, I mean, the goalkeeper had him in a fucking headlock. It's yeah. like, dude, come on. Like, how is Vini the one getting a red here? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It was rescinded. Yeah, yeah. After all the backlash. Yeah. They went back and they actually rescinded his red card. Yeah, it's great that they, like, you know, went back and fixed it. But at the same time, it's like, why did, how did it Why did that happen? happen? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Do you know, Eric, what the punishments ended up being, like, for Valencia? Were there any punishments um i'm not entirely sure but i think fig- i figured I heard like, that they did receive like a bit of punishment they should be like playing terms of matches like, behind uh, closed doors man the fans aren't allowed in yeah because that's a it's that, fucked up that's really what they need to do you know if it's the fans acting out well then you don't get the privilege to watch the matches yeah this article from reuters <clears throat> says and i guess this kind of puts a whole kind of a bow on this the federation can cancel a match if racist insults continue after a 10-minute period in which the game is paused and the crowd warned but to date no match in spain has enforced it and that's mm-hmm. kind of what it comes down to because yeah. at the end of the day like if you cancel the match like that i assume you take like a big monetary hit maybe not because people already paid for their tickets I don't how does know. that even work in the league if <laughs> yeah no yeah. idea if you have a canceled match well, i imagine it's a forfeit. who gets the point i imagine the team who fans were not being racist that's the point <laughs> <laughs> right I think. well also you that know that sense. is another <laughs> that is another thing to consider if there are no fans even if people have bought tickets like you're losing out on all that money that you're making and i mean at that's the what, stadium yeah so. that's kind of what everything drives. comes down to money yeah dude capitalism's evil <clears throat> hallelujah um so that was the vini story mm. <laughs> in terms of u.s open cup yeah um there was uh the last two i think usl teams who were still in at pittsburgh and i think birmingham i could be wrong it might not be Birmingham, but pittsburgh were playing columbus in Pittsburgh, another stadium where a train runs right by it. They won, so they're on. They're moving on, and uh, I think Charlotte lost to Birmingham, so Birmingham moving on too. So there's two US, USL teams moving on. So oh, that's love awesome. to see the underdog love stories. It, love it, love, love it. to see that. Love um, the local arenas. I know, right? It's it's the it's the best stuff. Um, they will be playing. Uh, let's see, Birmingham Legion FC are going to be playing Inter Miami on June seventh. And Pittsburgh Riverhounds are playing Cincinnati. <laughs> I like um, that. The Cincinnati one's going to be at Cincinnati, but Miami have to travel to Protective Stadium in Birmingham, so that should be a fun little rowdy little one. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Mm. Um, let's see, Amy, you want to take one of these topics from here? I know you had some. Uh, yeah, some this stuff is to say. Uh, you know this is kind of a silly one, so much lighter news. Um, but Inter Milan has been given a remarkable offer ahead of the Champions League final. They don't have a kit sponsor and right. uh, they've been offered, I believe, 80 million pounds from an adult website. Oh, really? Yeah. What so, kind of adult? Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like a porn site. Ah, I don't really know. See, it's just, it says an adult subscription site, but okay. What's it probably like name? OnlyFans or something. I, I'm not going to go to the site to like check it out. I yeah. think that just the website do, yeah, is called... Whatever you do, don't do it on your work laptop. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, my.club. Oh, so what, I think it's like an OnlyFans, you know, that, That's why there. Eric brought his personal laptop today. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a deep dive on this one, guys. Um, but yeah, we'll see you know i don't know this article didn't really get into like if they're actually going to take it or if there's yeah. like rules against that i don't right. really know i feel like in america they're 
probably would be some weird rules against like yeah. like Pornhub being a sponsor. I don't think there's rules. I don't think no, right? I mean, there's gambling I, sponsors. I don't have there's any. rules against beer. You can't have beer now. You used to be able yeah. to have beer. Well, that's like alcohol and whatnot, but I don't know about porn. I think that would be allowed. Yeah, it is a lot of money after all, and I think they will probably accept it. Like, they also need we'll it because they've well, been. Yeah. They, they got fucked over by that crypto thing. Yeah, like thing. what? How? How does that happen? Like they just didn't receive any payment. So, yeah. but isn't there contracts that are signed? Like there has to be some legal yeah, ramifications. If the company doesn't have money, I guess you're right. <laughs> like, then how you are know, you going to go after them? If you're bankrupt, you're yeah. bankrupt. Well, I mean that was that was only a 21 million pound deal. So this yeah. is like quadruple. What I think they should do they, it. Yeah, because they're gonna no no pun intended, <laughs> but they're gonna get fucked anyways in the final. <laughs> so they might as well take it because City eh? are gonna fuck them up. I think. Um, yeah, I'm excited to. I know Eric has been. He has been working on that. Was it my dot club? He's been working on that deep dive for like three weeks now. What's what's going on? Why is it taking so long? It's, oh man, it's, it's taking lots of research. He's like, we need more funds. Like, for what? <laughs> oh my god. I need more tokens yeah, for we'll, research. We'll we'll see how this develops. Yeah. I'm you know speaking of, I am gonna go for Inter Milan. Oh, um, me too. Hundred percent, me too. In the final? Yeah, totally. Oh, God. What is wrong no. with you two? Why not? It's, I don't want to see City win. It's Man City all the way. Man. Of course they're going to win. It doesn't matter if they're going to win. It's just, I'm going to root for Inter Milan. <laughs> I would love to see why, an Italian why, team why, why, lift why? the fucking trophy. As an underdog only? Yeah, partially as an underdog, mostly as an underdog. But mm. also, it's nice to see Italian teams succeed. Yeah. There's a chance that Italian teams might sweep across the board. They might win. There is a chance. Champions yep. League, Europa League, and your and, favorite. And the conference. The league. Conference League. An Italian <laughs> league an Italian team has reached all the finals, which is crazy and hasn't happened in so long now. Yeah, man. History in the making. How do you see? say triple in Italian? I don't know. I have no idea. Tripola. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. That's how I would say. It. Scudetto. Scudetto. Um, <laughs> let's see. Other ones we have here. Okay, well I'll I'll go into this one. I wanted to bring this up for you guys. Uh jerseys is what I was gonna say. So no looking, no peeking. I got this up on my thing. MLS revealed so far for twenty twenty three their top ten their ten top selling jerseys um by player. So I'm gonna let you guys have a couple guesses. Maybe have three guesses each at players oh um and if you whoever there's gets the no most, way i whoever gets the most um kind of correct uh, is the winner of this you guys got your laptop so i'll vamp for a second if you want to pull up some random names but i'm gonna go why just don't you start carlos velo all right he's number one so oh. you got one okay that was mine amy was it um walker zimmerman oh you're gonna let him guess or no oh sorry yeah, i thought go i was going oh, okay okay my it's bad. not fair if you get all the guesses sorry chicharito chicharito is number four oh nice. man number four what did you got amy um i said walker zimmerman so number just... three so okay. you got number one and number three so far it's gonna be tough for you to live up to this i think you might be able to to this, win this one's gonna be tough yeah number two right um yeah or we also have five through ten available <laughs> uh what do you got insignia it's, Ooh, no, it's a long shot lorenzo insignia is not there not there not a big market in america no tiago almada tiago almada's number seven. Oh, amy three for three look who's the casual now oh, man <laughs> that's it um i think you can there's well, no way so you can really win but you might as well give it one more go can I get a hint? Um, no. Do you? What do you need one? <laughs> I think I need one. There's one more Nashville player. 
There's one Seattle player. There's one more Galaxy player. There's one more Miami player. And there's two Philadelphia players. Ricky Pooch. Ricky Pooch is number 10. Oof. So, not bad. You guys You guys missed Hani Mukhtar at number two. Mm. Jordan Morris at number five. Joseph Martinez yeah. wait, at number wait. six. Who's out here getting Jordy Morris kids? I think Seattle have a lot of... Well, didn't... I mean, reach. he had like a really crazy run... Yeah. Where he was scoring all those goals. Yeah, he, he so. got off to a flying start. I and bet. also, U.S. men's national team fans yeah. like him. Jesus Christ. Plus, Seattle have these new kits that are like Bruce Lee inspired. So, it's probably a lot of things coming together. Yeah. I would have <laughs> never hazarded a guess. Yeah, Jordy neither would Morris. I wouldn't have either. Wow. Joseph Martinez, number six, with his new Miami kits. And then uh, number eight, number nine, both Philly players, Daniel Gazdog and Andre Blake. So, oh, those Andre are kind Blake of our, made it. I was going to guess him, but I, yeah. you know. Those are kind of our, our stars who are selling jerseys. He's a keeper, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. he, and he has one of the top selling kids. Isn't that wild? So people are that's buying insane. goalkeeper jerseys. That's that's very, very bizarre. Oh, is that rare? Is that not a thing that normally happens? Cause, well, because they're totally different. So like you, the yeah. Jer- yeah. MLS fans are wild. They're man. wild. They're <laughs> wild, dude. I, know. I would have never <laughs> expected it's, it. It's a whole different ballgame. Um, Amy, you want to take one of these next ones? Yeah, let's see. So I found this article from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, They had an inside look at the MLS studios with Apple TV. I'm going to airdrop you this um, this document because there is okay. unfortunately I I just actually managed to pull the pull the trick you pulled and I'm, I'm oh, past okay, the cool. paywall now perfect <laughs> sorry Philadelphia Inquirer <laughs> but if I you want if you want come on whatever we make so much content about Philadelphia all the time if you want to fucking sponsor us maybe give us a free fucking month of Inquirer yeah so we can talk about Philly more we just literally talked about Andre Blake you know what I'm saying that is true and that we is were, true I was just in Philly the other week filming for them come on um but yeah I just I found the, the the article pretty interesting i mean if you get a chance to read it i recommend yeah, reading are, the whole thing but what are some of your big takeaways some of my big takeaways are the fact that somebody on staff there used to actually work and do olympic coverage for nbc and i guess he's the uh executive producer he compared it to like olympic style production like it's just Mm -hmm. a lot going on um but instead of you know happening every four years it's every week for eight months yeah um also another little interesting factoid is the studio where they host mls 360 is apparently massive it's like seven thousand square feet which makes it the the largest studio in Manhattan. Well, it looks pretty big on on TV, yeah. but I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, nuts. it's that's like way more massive. It has three set areas and two huge LED screens. And this it, it former home of uh, what was One, it? One hundred six in Park, Park, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess this studio has actually been around for eighty years, so it's hosted a variety of you know different shows, but obviously 106th and Park is something I remember. Um, and yeah, I, I think just the sheer size of the production, you know, because they were talking about not only the people in studio there, but also being connected to, I think there's like 900 some people working yeah. across the country at yep. various stadiums to make this all happen. So it's it's a, it's a huge operation. It's definitely pretty wild. Um, I wish I still wish that they would stagger the games more but then that would make it even maybe even crazier to try to run yeah because I guess this particular day you know because most of the time the earliest match will be like 4 30 and the last match will be 10 30 but this particular day that they wrote this article 
it was that weird day where the match started at one. Oh yeah. So it was yeah. like, I mean, almost a 24 hour day, you yeah. know, cause they're not really wrapping up to like two or three in the morning. Speaking of 24 hour days and Philly, I, you weren't here. I think you weren't here last week. I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but quick, a uh, couple quick takeaways from your first time going to an MLS match and helping film. Like we were, um, I'm not going to actually say the exact project, but we were on the sideline filming yep. uh, a project. And uh, that was Eric's first time getting to go to a match. What'd you think like uh, in that capacity that close? It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. We we're pretty much like right there on the pitch. Uh, the grass is incredible at that arena. I, I had to touch it at least a couple of times. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, the game itself was pretty trash. But yeah, it was no. a pretty boring match. I had a lot of fun, though. It was a it was very very nice experience yeah it was uh it's it's pretty cool hopefully we got some more of those in the future but you know our little production pales in comparison to what actually you know the apple tv people oh do. yeah they, they do a real thing and just to to kind of conclude this this whole thing you know the very last portion of the article is just uh talking about what's still unknown and i just i think that Week after week, we talk about like how much we really don't know about this Apple TV deal. So mm-hmm. still uh, yet to be determined what's what's actually going on and, you know, if they're happy with the the results or not. But yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah. You know what? We're in month uh, four of a 10 year deal. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK. There's one thing on this rundown. I'm just going to touch on it really quickly and then we'll get to what I think is a story that you want to talk about. MLS launches MLS Go. Um, Producer Chris threw this in here. It's another initiative for MLS to get the youth engaged. I know they already have MLS Next, so MLS Go is even even lower, so it's kind of more grassroots, Mm -hmm. ages 4 to 14. And it says it provides them with a fun, affordable, local soccer experience. So they got the buzzwords. Yeah. We'll wait and see what happens. I mean, like... Yeah, I mean, it says... Their mission is creating an inclusive and elevated recreational experience. Um, I like that they use the word affordable. I'll be curious to see how yeah. how actual that is. Um, and it also seems like they're kind of getting themselves into some additional markets. Yeah. Which could be fun. Um, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see where it goes. It's cool that they're doing it. It's, yeah. re- it's really cool that they're starting it. I would say like the the key to to it is longevity like you have to actually you have to this system that's put in place has to go through one whole cycle of a a, a child before yeah. it actually is going to be deemed how well it's working so that means someone it says some of the example markets here one of them is detroit a 4 year old a 4 year old in detroit who enters mls go next yeah. year we need to see them in it all the way up to 14 to see how that worked for them and that's kind of the thing about youth soccer it's such a big picture thing that you can't just figure it out over one year yeah so we we might get into this later so let's uh no 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 it's good it's it's good you know you you didn't know but just a little hint for what might come next what exactly is this is like there it's like like an academy or is it just travel soccer it's uh i don't even know if it's travel i think it's probably just like little it's just like a recreational program so yeah i think it's just going to be in 18 different cities across the country is it it only games or is there any coaching no there's definitely training there's it's like little it's going to be like little leagues i think for local kids to play in and i think they will have more 
access to getting into the M major league soccer pipelines. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe it's an exercise in branding because they're going to be wearing MLS club branded uniforms. So who knows? That That's sounds what I'm saying. Like I know. I was also very a, skeptical. Always a caveat. I was very skeptical when I heard it. I was like, this. But that's why it's like you don't actually know what's going to happen until yeah. the kids get a chance to develop. You know? Well, I think, I think it's cool that they're, you know, seeing the need and trying to they're, address they're it. So obviously, it. we're not going to know how successful it is. But it's good that they're implementing just one more program that has yeah. like this very specific mission in mind. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, to finish out the this week's news and tea, you know, this was tough, but had to do it. Alexi Lawless gave me the ick this week. He, uh, I think he has that effect on a lot of people every <laughs> week. <laughs> it's not just you, Amy. Um, but a very like specific ick that you're never going to come back from. He tweeted in support of Ron DeSantis and uh, people are not happy about it. Yeah, I mean, someone responded, I trust Alexi Lawless on politics about as much as I trust Claudia Reyna on building trust in the workplace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Like, obviously, he's he's a soccer player. He's He's not a fucking politics. Yeah, he's a sports guy, but it's like maybe I don't really need to know your political views because yeah. like it's definitely going to cloud not that I was like oh I love Alexi Lawless or anything yeah, but no. um, in my opinion Alexi Shishkin yes. is is the Alexi oh, no. in soccer so no 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 way no way <laughs> Alexi Lawless is still soccer media uh, royalty you know his, his yeah. politics are, are whack but like I'm just surprised that he Well, this is what he tweeted. He said, thought Governor Ron DeSantis ultimately came off as a candidate of competence, confidence, and common sense. See, and I thought he came off as a (laughs) candidate of uh, fucking idiocy, lunacy, and mania. But, you know, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, I guess (laughs) we all have our opinions, but I don't know. That just, that's like, it's, I'm surprised that he would so openly say that, I guess. But then he does also work for Fox News, so. Or Fox. Uh, He's Fox, in the yeah. Fox network. He's so. in the Fox family. Um, I would still love to have him on the show. Yeah. So hopefully they, they, he doesn't listen to this episode. I don't. Yeah. I, actually, <laughs> actually I, I think if he listened, he would be more likely to want to come on the show. Maybe. And then that would be with nuts. a bunch of you know leftist liberals, yeah, with the anarcho-communists. <laughs> Here we are. I'd, I, dude, I would love to talk politics with him. Yeah. Because that's at the end. At the end of the day, I don't think either of us would get our feelings hurt about it. You know. Oh no. Look, we'd I, just be like yelling at each other. I may be really a communist, and he may be a. I don't know. I'm not going to call him anything. But <laughs> I, I'm. But when neither of us are, neither of us. Are betas, bro. <laughs> I'm an alpha communist. All right. All right. Well, stay tuned for the uh, calling all casuals Alexi Lawless politics edition. Oh yeah, that'll be. I can't wait. That'll be pretty fun. We should do it whenever there's an election coming up or something. Um, Eric, you got any final thoughts before we hit the break? Um, yeah, I just want to um, talk into the mic. There you I go. I just want to say. I don't like Alexi Lawless. He just, he rubs me the wrong way in pretty much everything that he does. Yeah. Yes. Not even including the politics, but yeah, he's just, I don't don't like him. I feel like he's a very like particular person, you know, I can see how people wouldn't really care for him as a personality. So I totally get it. For me, the reason that I'm, I respect him is because of his career. Like he was one of the first Americans and we'll actually probably get into this later too, but he was one of the first Americans to play 
in Europe, realistically. Like, I mean, he played in Italy. Like, he he was an important (laughs) figure in the growth of soccer in the U.S. in the 90s. And part of it was that he was so recognizable, but part of it was that he was actually charismatic. And I don't know. I think, like, from a purely a soccer perspective, he's useful and he is important in American soccer. I, I agree politics, with you. I don't need him. Yeah. I don't need those. I don't care. I like literally yeah. don't care. I don't go to him for politics. You know, it's like that old Dave Chappelle bit where he's like, uh, they're like, it was like 9-11 happens and he's like, we've got Ja Rule on the line. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, I, you're you know. right. You're right. So, all right, ready to take a break? Let's do it. All right, yes, here we indeedy. go. We're going to the break. We're coming back with a big question and a deep old dive. What's up, everybody? We're back. We're back. We're back Alrighty, from the break. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. <laughs> the meat. The meat. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna bring it up this week. Every it's week, become, I'm like, I'm not gonna. Thing. I'm not gonna do it. And then this every week, it. you do it. Um, we lost producer Eric. He dipped out for this segment. He'll be yeah, back. Yeah, I in think the next, he like went to get lunch or yeah, something. He, he just said, you know what? Not interested in this question. Not interested in this history lesson. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, but the time has come. For yes. me to reveal my question of the week. Love this. this Love one's this for a, you. This for one's me, a, for everyone. a meaty question. Oh, yeah. It's a big one. Um, but I'm just going to do it. Going for it. What is the realistic growth potential for soccer in America? Slash, how do we get there? Two questions. I guess. Well, sure. They, I mean, they the, bleed the, into one another. Yes. And you know perfect kind of lead into this yes came from this you know new mls go sure um and also conversations that we've had in the past you yeah know. what is the realistic growth potential for soccer in america okay so let's start there uh, the potential is limitless well of course uh, the potential is only as limited as like corporate interests are i guess um i mean we say it all the time it's it's about access it's about making it like easier to play soccer yeah that's it that's what it comes down to it's it's like and i I don't mean just like specifically you know making soccer um easier to so you have to you know pay less money for it and stuff like that i'm also saying like the smallest tiniest things that like basketball hoops for example are everywhere and they're not locked no one locks up a basketball hoop you know what i mean at the end of the day when like the people who pay for the fields are done in this case pay for the courts whatever are done training on them they don't like take the basketball hoops roll them off and lock them to each other in soccer you know growing up I think in a lot of places in America, I'm speaking from where I grew up. Right. But I think in a lot of places in America, as a kid, you want to get a game and you go to a field and the goals, they wheel them away from the pitch. They put all the goals in one part of the field. So they're all together. Yeah. And they put them, they, they don't even just put them there so you can move them if you want to play on them. They put them face to face and they lock them with chains to each other. So there's no way you can move them. What we would do as kids we would find we knew that there were certain fields that were like the club wouldn't spend money on extra locks so they would only lock one post together and we would just like 
like rip the goals kind of apart so they're in a 90 degree thing and we'd be like cool we're just gonna shoot on this goal and then when we're done we'll we'll close it up again but like the fact that we even had to do that shit is crazy true um so like privatizing it like that is definitely a huge obstacle to growth um even in like schools i remember uh in my middle school the nets were temporary the guy our coach would put the nets on to the goals when we were going to play when they're and then he would take them off and they wouldn't be there and it was like why we don't want people playing on the field we want people damaging our nets and it's like well how do you expect (laughs) soccer to grow in this country when like you're going to privatize every opportunity that children have to play it yeah you know um so there's a lack of public infrastructure and that is like a huge thing you know yeah i guess i wasn't considering right if you're gonna play a proper game like you need a goal you know obviously you can kick a ball around anywhere and kind of like you know gain skills like handling the ball but as far as like actually playing yeah you well we can set up and you can set up small goals and shit and that's fun but like you know if we if the goals are there and they're at the fields like let the kids use them you know what i'm saying i don't know it's it also just it works a different muscle like you build different different qualities like you maybe become better at striking the ball than than at like passing around with your friends um i just know like from personal experience that was something that we really hated as kids when we were like damn we really want to play and like there's just nowhere to play yeah sometimes i remember sometimes even when the goals are locked face to face you're just like, well, I guess we're shooting on the back of the goal and pretending that there's posts and stuff like because that's all you could really do. Right. Whereas in Europe, pretty much wherever you go, there's basketball courts uh, and like, you know, just like hard, hard court, um, like cement or whatever, or dirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And underneath them, there's little soccer goals. So the field is multi-use. It can be used for soccer. It can be used for basketball. Yeah. I think in New York things are a little different. We have actually surprisingly a lot more spaces to play, I think in New York than a lot of other places do. Yeah. Um, So that, I mean, that to me is a huge obstacle in growth. Yeah. I just always found it interesting that like, I remember playing soccer when I was a kid, I was very young. Like I don't remember. And I think I maybe played for like one season, Yeah. but in the town I grew up in, at the north end of the town there's like this huge park that has like multiple soccer fields and it's like on the weekends you know that's mm-hmm. where all the games happen and it's ever since i can remember until now my nephew plays there like kids play soccer but yeah. it, it seems to to fall off at a certain point and i'm like well, i always kind of wondered you know why that's the one youth sport I, that like doesn't stick i think one cool th- I don't think many youth sports stick I don't think any youth sports stick well, I think that for the most most sure. of the time every kid will do something active as a kid and then they'll fall off by their teens and they won't continue but it. I guess what I mean is that's something that doesn't really go beyond youth it's like well, here's you the play thing. it as a youth I, and I actually have a slightly different take on it I think that our generation in America is the first generation who actually have been exposed to soccer their whole life okay. I don't think other generations have have had that that's I think true. like if you grew up here and you're uh, I'm 33 if you grew up here as a kid in the 90s and 2000s your parents most likely didn't really know shit about soccer but then the world cup came in 94 and they were like oh what is this it's getting a lot of coverage oh i guess this is like a safe fun sport for kids to play suddenly they enroll their kids this goes back to what i was saying about mls go they enroll their little kids in it right Mm -hmm. say you're say you're like six years old you don't know what the fuck you're doing your parents don't anything about soccer but it's fun and it's exercise for him whatever the kid can run around and play 
uh, him or her until they're 10 years old and then go, ah, mom, dad, I don't really like this. Oh, okay, it's fine. You don't have to do this. Then they're whatever. Years go by. They're not in it. But they did play for four years. So they actually know the rules. It's not that complicated of a game. They know the rules. They know how to run around. And then eventually, maybe down the line, they re-engage with soccer and not even in a playing way. Maybe they watch us somewhere. Maybe they fall in love with the video game and they play FIFA. Yeah. But like, I think our generation is the first one to kind of be with soccer our whole life You're in right. America. I haven't thought about it that way. And, and that's why I always say like, it, it's not just me like trying to make a, you know, a, a cliche and say, oh, it's a generational thing. It quite literally is mm-hmm. generational. Like, the reason that football and basketball and stuff are so big here is because, well, one, they were invented in this country, but two, they've they've been here longer. Yeah. And that's also why we're better at those things mm. than the rest of the world, you mm-hmm. know? Like, we're bad at soccer because it hasn't been a part of our fabric. Yeah. It just, just hasn't. Like, yeah. since the, the mid-90s is really where soccer kind of became part of American fabric and cultural fabric. And now, like, we're starting to see these future generations who... You know, I mean, and we'll get into this in the next segment, but the future generations are actually growing at a great rate. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's know. actually really interesting. I mean, it kind of it does make it seem. I don't know if hopeful is the right word, like obviously hopeful, but like exciting, I guess that, totally. you know, we're not where we like could be, yeah. especially when we compare it to other countries. But that's only because we just haven't had as much time. So I, I always say that soccer in America is less than 30 years old. That's, yeah. that's, that's like one generation really. And like you know going I mean? back, like, you know, talking about kind of the history of soccer throughout these episodes, like it's, they've got way more than 30 years on yeah, us. So yeah. yeah, you're right. It is, it is pretty exciting. And that's I, why for me, I, when people talk shit about MLS, I'm always like, look, the league definitely has its faults. hundred percent. It's got yeah. its faults. But at the end of the day, it's a 25 ish year old league. Right. Like it's, it's gonna, it's growing. It's still growing. Yeah. Like it's, it's just learning. It's learning how to exist in its little pocket of the, of the world. You know, yeah. it's not, it, it came in late and it's, it's a late bloomer and it's got to figure out a way to latch into the global soccer economy. It, right. It, it's, it, it's trying, you know? So maybe the answer is really just, like just keep like you said away. like the the potential's there it's just with time you know yeah. the, the the number one thing is access it's access and and availability it's getting people one comfortable with the idea of like watching soccer and knowing where to find it and in even video games that's a huge thing i know that sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. but it really is a huge thing um even something as simple as this is going to sound fucking nuts i'm gonna sound like a crazy man when i say this but even something like that stupid game with the cars where you're driving the cars and hitting the ball into the goal um you know talking about rocket league yeah even a game like that that soccer adjacent (laughs) is really cool because it wakes people up to that concept you know what i mean um, I don't know how many people make the uh, Rocket League to like MLS Ultra <laughs> jump, but <laughs> it's it's possible. I'm just saying, like, make the game available. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I really do strongly believe that, like, uh, dead serious, that our generation, even if you played soccer for a little bit as a kid, that exposure is enough to like potentially spark mm-hmm. a lifelong interest in the game. Um, you know, if you were to, I grew up in uh, in the, the south like the deep south so 
we had our own little pocket of soccer players and it was usually kind of a like i said a, a countercultural type of thing i've said it before but there are definitely people who i grew up with who didn't really know anything about soccer who are only like baseball guys or american football guys mm-hmm. and i was their friend who played soccer and it was through me that they even learned about soccer producer chris great example yeah when him and i grew up together he played a lot of baseball that was his thing and in middle school i like i'd played a lot of soccer as a kid and in middle school i convinced him to come join the soccer team and that was his first intro to soccer and now like he he actually cares about soccer to an extent you yeah. know what i mean and like he's in it day to day and it's those little tiny things that that sure. is why i said that the potential is limitless there really yeah. is no limit to it it's about making it accessible for people to decide do i like this or do i not like mm-hmm. this cuz it's cool if you don't like soccer that's fine yeah but like if you're not even ever given the choice then like yeah it's never gonna happen man after i I mean yeah i think you answered both questions and it's great and actually like very eye-opening it's it's like perspective right yeah we just need perspective that we've only had this much time but that does make me a little sad about like obviously i'm happy that mls got this deal with apple but talking about like accessibility and like you can't just turn on the yeah. the TV and like find an MLS game. And whereas with other sports, you don't necessarily need to subscribe to something to catch at least some games. So yeah, that is a little bit of a bummer if like, you know, for the, the growth for the culture. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is a bit of a bummer. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah. It's, it's definitely kind of frustrating, but yeah, we'll see it what, what happens it is. though. All um, right. Well, thank you. That yeah, was no uh, very insightful. Um, one thing I just thought of that's not even at all related to this yeah. that I think we should have mentioned last segment is remember we talked about the soccer tournament, that thing happening in North Carolina, yeah. June 1st to June 4th. Right. I think we on our next episode, we'll be able to talk about it a little bit because it'll, it'll have just started. But that right there is like a great example of a weird soccer thing that like you know now I don't think that many people care but at least some people care and maybe 20 years ago if you did that no one would care there would maybe be like 30 people who show up yeah but now like you know there's enough interest that these like celebrities and like these former players will come and have this tournament and there's like a million dollars on the line and like that kind of stuff is cool is it a little gimmicky sure but like that is an example of like the growth of soccer yeah you know I think that I, like I said, it's in a great place. I'm excited for it, especially with the run up to the World Cup. Shit's going to be crazy. I'm stoked. Awesome. Um, okay. History lesson. Today we're talking Americans in Europe. This one isn't going to be as, you know, in depth of, of a dive as mm-hmm. I usually do. Um, but I, I was thinking, I was like, man, who are some of the first Americans to have played in Europe and, you know, kind of what is our role there? Um, yeah. what's the american contribution we try we try so hard to fit in with them and then like things like ted lasso set us back decades uh i know um you know even like from a manner well i think that's what jesse marsh actually had said about it but um you know when you think americans in europe right now you obviously think of uh of leeds leeds were managed by jesse marsh until Mm -hmm. he got fired who he might become the new U.S. men's national team coach. There's it's bubbling. We'll see. Um, we do need one. Leeds, right? They have um, Tyler Adams, your boy. Mm-hmm. They have Brendan Aronson. They have Weston McKinney on loan from Juve. 
they're kind of like a little American fortress right now that uh, we'll see what happens, but they might get relegated. Yeah. Um, that would suck. Then things are going to the Americans might scatter like roaches across Europe. Who knows? Maybe they'll come back home. Who knows? But uh, it got me thinking, like, where did who was the first American player in Europe? And for me, I was like, it's got to be like one of those U.S. 94 guys mm-hmm. from the World Cup team. So I was like, maybe it could be Lexi Lawless. It could be like John Harkes or someone like that. Uh, and in doing my research, I found out that the first American player is actually this guy called Julian Sturgis. Um, credit to uh, The Guardian. They uh, answered this question and did some in-depth research. So I kind of piggybacked on on theirs a little bit but this guy julian sturgis played in 1873 in the fa cup final what for a team called wanderers they played against oxford university and he started as a forward uh for that team that's not really saying much because if you remember back about the formations at the time there they had a goalkeeper a fullback, a halfback, and everyone else was a forward. So <laughs> they played a one-one-one-one-eight or whatever. Uh, so yeah, um, th- he was on the team though. Julian Sturgis. He didn't score in this, but his team wanders. They won two nil. So he was an FA Cup champion uh, in the seventies. This guy Julian Sturgis. He has the most like. 1800s ass titles to him like for his job (laughs) Mm -hmm. description it was like first of all he was educated at Eton and Balliol College Oxford uh, and he distinguished himself in sporting activities he rode there as well Uh, he was a British American novelist poet librettist and lyricist and he also qualified as a barrister <laughs> which oh my God. i don't know what any of those things are. i don't um, okay wait a barrister is some sort of lawyer yeah uh a librettist uh, i guess he had something to do with opera so he was uh you know he was an artistic dude but he also played in the 1873 fa cup final so he's american and that he was born here and born in boston grew up for a time here like how yeah i think so he was born in boston in 1848 and i think he lived uh it says when he was seven months old his family moved to england Mm. um so you know make of that what you will uh when i go to the 1873 fa cup final wikipedia page next to his name there's an american flag so yeah. he was considered I don't think they on the team considered him one of one of them. They were like, oh, he's that's oh, the American guy. That, in, he in reality, literally grew up. Yeah. I mean, I, he grew up around the culture. Yeah. So, so that's an interesting one. It's a very interesting one. But technically, Julian technically, Sturgis, yeah. first American to play. Overseas. Well, it's good to know that we've been involved for that long. Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> of other in this rundown. You'll see I put other randoms because there's a lot of other guys. So. Yeah. And a lot of them have that exact same kind of story. Alfio Argentieri was born in New York, but raised in Italy, and he played for Lazio in the 30s. Alfonso Negro was born in Brooklyn, but also raised in Italy, mostly. Uh, He won the Olympic gold with the Italian national team, so he played in the 30s and 36. And he played for Fiorentina and for Napoli in the 30s as well. So again... American-ish, but yeah. really Italian. Uh, there was a guy named Jim Brown, who was a Scotsman, who became a naturalized U.S. citizen in the 30s. And he actually represented the U.S. at the first ever World Cup. 
but he played uh, in the 30s um, in England for Manchester United and for Tottenham. So, again, Scotsman, naturalized U.S. citizen, so who knows like how yeah. you want to call that. Um, there was a German uh, named Andy, or no, there was a Hungarian-born guy named Andy Mate, or Mate, I don't know how to say it. Um, he played in the New York Cosmos first ever game, and he had a brief stint in Germany where he scored uh, two goals with Hamburg in the 64-65 season. So, again, Hungarian-born. Yeah. You know, so same idea with uh, our boy Julian, right? He's American-born but playing right. in England. So, uh, France had a guy, uh, Joe Gatins. I, I don't know how to say his name. I think that's how you say it. Uh, he scored the only goal against England in the 1950 World Cup match. I think that was USA-England in 1950. Um, and he played in Paris for a bit. Um, and then, you know, and we'll get to this guy because he's a legend and he still does commentary and stuff. But Casey Keller was the first American to play in Spain. And he played in La Liga in the 1999-2000 season with Rayo Vallecano. That was his first... Uh, he was the first American to play in the highest league in Spain. Mm. Before him, your boy Peter Vermees actually played in Spain, but it wasn't at the top level. It was at like the second level. That's still um, pretty impressive. Yeah, so shout out Peter Vermees. Um, Tab Ramos also played there. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the first guys who played in all these places. Um, underneath this other randoms thing, I have listed uh, Eddie Hamill, because Eddie Hamill is a wild story so it's a pretty tragic story but eddie hamill was born in new york to jewish immigrants from the netherlands in 1902 so he was raised in like turn of the century new york city fucking pretty crazy i'm sure i don't know if you've seen that movie what's the movie it was uh gangs, gangs of new, new york, york. Yeah. yeah so he was probably was raised like in. I've, I've been to the you know the tenement museum and yeah shit was wild so he was probably raised the, and that kind of thing and yeah. you know who knows they're dutch maybe he lived in ridgewood maybe he lived at the underdog house oh i don't know i'm just making this up interesting um so jewish immigrants from the netherlands he was born in 1902 when he was a teenager they moved back to, to amsterdam um so that's probably like 1915, 1916, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, he joined Ajax in 1922. Ajax, one of the most successful mm-hmm. clubs in European history, definitely in Dutch history. Um, it says Eddie, a talented right winger, joined Ajax in 1922. So he was 20 years old and became the first Jewish player and the first American to represent Ajax. Uh, during his eight years there, he became a fan favorite appearing in 125 games and scoring eight goals. So 125 appearances over eight years, not bad. Um, this all takes a very uh, dark turn because after the Nazis occupied the Netherlands during the Second World War, uh, Hamill was arrested despite his American citizenship because he was a Jew. He was sent to Auschwitz, and after some months of hard labor and torture, he was murdered in the gas chambers oh, no. uh, when he was, he was 40 years old. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a, a little passage here from uh, Simon Cooper's book, Ajax, the Dutch and the War. Uh, it says it's basically a memory of Hamill uh, from an elderly supporter. He called him. He said he was a tall boy with black hair combed back, not a product of the Jewish quarter. He was what you might call an idol. Eddie Hamill, I can still see him before me quick. And he had a very good cross, something like David Beckham now. It was all different than the speed of Eddie Hamill is a snail's pace now. Mm -hmm. Um, So Hamill is one of the 
first Americans to play like for a major club yeah. in modern football. Yeah. If like not, somebody if not who the first. Actually like grew up in right. America. And and was exported almost yes. in a way to Europe and and played for like Ajax, like big club, yeah. not like, you know, Wander, Wanderers. That's cool, but that's just like yeah. that was a nothing club, you know, cuz it's just like random, you know, schoolyard football at that point. Um so really the answer for first player is it's probably Eddie Hamill. He's probably the first American to go play in Europe and then, you know, a tragic end to, to his career, um, to his life, really, because at that point it was 40. So, um, you know, as I often do, I, I definitely skip a large chunk of history. And so what I, did, it, I did It wouldn't be here. a deep dive slash history yeah. lesson without yeah. it. Um, this week I skipped the uh, 50s. Uh, well, I talked a bit about the 50s, but yeah. I skipped mostly the 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, let's go to the World Cup, 1994 World Cup that was in the U.S. So that is when, like, soccer... That's kind of who you would assume. Like, right. people from that era would be the first kind of Ex- American player. Exactly, exactly. Like, we had our own thing going here in the 70s with, like, Nazel and all that. But, like, it wasn't... It was a one-way street. It was retirees like Pele and stuff, Beckenbauer coming to play for New York Cosmos yeah. to be like a little exhibition for all yeah. of the American spectators. In the 90s, after our, you know, I don't think, I don't really remember how the U.S. team did in 94, and I didn't really bother researching it, but I think they held their own enough where people were like, oh, there's some like quality players here. So that's where you started to see people like John Harkes and people like Alexi Lalas go to Europe. Um, you know, people like Claudio Reyna. There was like a lot of players who were actually going over uh, to play in different leagues, not just in England, but play in England, play in Scotland. Uh, like Casey Keller was playing in La Liga. Um, there's definitely people playing in Germany. And Alexi Lalas is the one I'm going to pick who played in Italy. Um, after the 94 World Cup, he went to join uh, Padova or Padova. I don't know how to say I'm going to say Padova for the rest of this. Uh, but there were a Serie A club uh, and he was the first American to play in the Italian top flight, which is pretty cool. Um, he scored. He was a defender, but he still scored a few headers and he actually scored goals against AC Milan and he scored a goal against Inter. So uh, he really, you know, came r- flying out the gate, so to yeah. speak. Um, and now, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but I, I wonder, I mean, clearly he was good. Yes. But in a way, he he kind of like pioneered like Americans going to these big leagues. Like that's got to mm. be intimidating. And like, how was he received? Like, did people just kind of I, brush I, him off as like... No, I think, I think in that case, like people from that club I mean, he really proved liked himself him because yeah he proved him. He, it's not like he just got to play every so often I mean yeah. he played in 30 he appeared in 33 matches I think for yeah. that team so like he was a, a, a real important piece of their yeah. of that season for them um, and I bet he probably could have stayed and played more for them uh, I don't know like what his ceiling would have been at that point because I don't know where he was at that point in his career I think maybe like he's in his early 20s or sorry mid 20s like maybe 25 mm-hmm. 25 26 so like I'm just uh, I'm just making this up. But like at that point in your career, you know, it's it's weird. You never know what's going to happen cuz usually like you would kind of be there a little earlier to to have just like sure. come over from the USA to to this. I don't know. Uh point is 
he wasn't the only one over there, right? So, like, there was other players, and, like, what Eric Wijnaldum was over there. Uh, like I said, the thing, Tab, Tab Ramos was over there, Tab Ramos. Uh, uh, there was a few Americans over there. But 1996, MLS starts, right? Right. So, MLS, they go they tap up a few of these players to come play. So Alexi Lawless is one of those players. So New York, New Jersey Metro stars, I think were like, Hey, come play for us. And I think he was passionate about starting a league or being a part of this league in his home country. Right. So he said, yeah, let's do it. Um, I think he ended up going on loan to Padova again for like a season. Mm -hmm. And then he finally settled at Metro stars. Um, But yeah, basically, uh, he played for Revolution. I'm sorry, New England Revolution, Metro Stars, Kansas City Wizards, and LA Galaxy. So he kind of bopped around a little bit. Um, and I think he actually even helped bring David Beckham to MLS, I think. Oh, wow. Uh, he wasn't playing at that point, but mm-hmm. I think he was p- part of the, you know, maybe part of the people who helped bring so him over. So he's really been involved with MLS from the very beginning. He's been championing it, championing it from the jump, for yeah. sure. Um, and so, you know... That was it's interesting because MLS starts right after the World Cup and a lot of these guys go are are, they go to Europe because there's nowhere to play. So MLS starts and brings a bunch of them back or some of them back. So in a way, it sort of hinders Americans growth abroad because Mm -hmm. it gives them a league to play in in their own country. Right. Which. That's how it goes. It's it. I think it's a good thing that it started. Yeah. You know, um, if it didn't start, then I don't think American soccer would be as strong in the future. It, yeah, that blip would have just not. trailed off. Yeah. Um, so there is one particular team who are often uh, known as Full America. They're called Fulham. You know, Fulham in okay. London. Yeah. So they for have for Full some reason America. they had a penchant for signing American players. Yeah. Uh, and. It became like a U.S. to Fulham pipeline okay. in a lot of ways. So their nickname was Full America. That's hilarious. Um, one of the first people who came and played at Fulham was uh, in 1999, Marcus Hahnemann. He was a goalie um, and he uh, came over to Fulham, but he couldn't really make it as the first choice. Um and then they signed this guy named Edwin Vandersar, who is like one of the greatest of all time. He went on to become like legitimately top five goalkeeper of all time, probably. So Marcus Hahnemann, obviously, was just his backup. Uh, and he left a few years later. But Marcus Hahnemann was the first American to play for Fulham. Um, and it would kind of get better and better. Eddie Lewis came over in 2000. Um, but he also was just kind of a role player. And he ended up moving to a different team. In 2004... Brian McBride comes over. And so this is after Brian McBride has made an impact a bit in the 98 World Cup. They didn't really do that well. But I think, I don't even know if he's on that team, actually. But in 2002, Brian McBride, massive impact in the World Cup. I think he scored goals against Portugal. And he got on on their radar. Um, he came over from, uh, from, I think he came over from MLS. I could be wrong. But... He'd been on loan previously at other places, and so he came over to Fulham, and uh, he went on to make over 150 appearances. He scored 40 goals over his career there, so he really became like a crucial uh, crucial part of that team. Uh, They even made him captain at a point, and um, 
you know, people really, the fans really loved him. Uh, alongside Brian McBride, Carlos Bocanegra came over. Um, Carlos Bocanegra also was a U.S. men's national team player, a defender. Now he's involved, I think, with Atlanta United. I could be wrong. But um, he came over in 2004 as well. So suddenly you have two Americans who are playing a role on this team and starting to like carve out a space. In 2007, Clint Dempsey comes over. Mm. And Clint Dempsey... Uh, regarded as one of the most successful American players yeah. of all time and definitely, the I'd say, the most successful to play for Fulham. So he comes over in 2007, and then at that same time, so does Casey Keller. Casey Keller was the guy who, I said earlier, played for Rio Vallecano, yeah. the first American guy to play in Spain. So at this point, in 2007, you've got Carlos Bocanegra, Brian McBride, Clint Dempsey, and Casey Keller. So you have a goalkeeper a defender a midfielder and a forward so they're throughout the team yeah in 2008 eddie johnson joins um who he was gonna be good but i don't think he ever panned out i really liked him uh and then from there you know things kind of uh they they sort of hit a lull for a few years until uh Shad Khan buys them. So Shahid Khan, you might know him, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, ah. buys the club. Uh, so he um, takes over Fulham, and he's got he's got money, and he's also got the American connection as well, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, because of the Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars NFL team. So then from there, they start kind of bringing in more people. Emerson Heinzman joined in 2014. Tim Ream joined in 2015. Tim Ream still plays there. Mm-hmm. Tim Ream just played at the World Cup for the U.S. Uh, Luca De La Torre came over for a few years. And right now, Anthony Robinson, a.k.a. Jedi, Jedi Robinson, he still <laughs> plays uh, there as well. So now they have Anthony Robinson and they have Tim Ream both playing in their back line. They were an important part of the club this year, and they've, they've been an important part of the club over the last few years, for sure. Uh, so Fulham, like, it's funny, because 1999 is really when this all started. Yeah. And to this day, they still have, like, a pretty deep connection to America. Um, still the same owner. He hasn't th- sold That the same team. owner, he, he bought the team in 2013. Yeah. So okay. from 99 to 2013, I don't know who owned them. Yeah. But either way, they definitely looked at America for scouting. But, but, yeah, before that, they were already known for like and favoring Americans. Here's what's so cool about that is like because they form a connection with players from this specific country, I think there is a disproportionate amount of fans in the U.S. who are Fulham fans. Oh, okay. I have a friend, my friend Mackie. He is a big Fulham fan. He ended up moving to London uh, in 20... Uh, something or other 2017 maybe i don't know when he moved but he moved to london and he's a season ticket holder for fulham (laughs) and even when they were in the premier league he was going to every match like he is a diehard fulham supporter yeah and i haven't confirmed this with him but i can only imagine it's because so many as a kid he was like oh brian mcbride plays there carlos bocanegra plays there like these are guys who are from where i'm from you know So I think that's that's really important to to see, you know. I'm gonna pay attention now. Keep my eyes out for jerseys and stuff, you know, because yeah, yeah. something I hadn't well, considered. Producer Chris is a Fulham fan. If he had to pick, I'd say I think he would say that because of the yeah, Jaguars I would, tie. I would have no idea who to pick, but you know, maybe it'd be Fulham. Yeah. So right now, Leeds is the is the big one, but we'll get to that in, in a second. So uh, 
after Fulham, you know, that wasn't the only place Americans were going, I guess. They're, they were going to a lot of other places. Tim Howard, obviously one of the goats. I'm sure you know Tim Howard. Uh, he played for Everton. He played for Manchester United. Uh, he's he's a baller, so he played in a lot of places. Uh, Brad Friedel, another goalie, also played. He was a very consistent goalkeeper through England, through the Premier League, but he played for a variety of teams. Um, Brad Guzan also played goalie in uh, in England. I think he played in the Premier League as well. Uh, obviously, now we have Matt Turner playing in goal. I was going to say a Zach lot of goalies. Steffen. Tons of goalies coming from America. America is a great exporter of goalkeepers. No idea why. Probably <laughs> because something about basketball and football being popular where people use their hands more. Mm, okay. So we actually do export a lot of a lot of goalies, which is pretty crazy. Um so, you know, I think to me, Tim Howard is the greatest player that America has ever exported to Europe. But it's funny because I think Landon Donovan could have been. Landon Donovan has a very interesting relationship with Europe. So he is from California. But uh, when he was a kid, when it was this was 99, so he must have been uh, 17 or something like that. Six, yeah, 17, I think. He signed a six-year deal to go to the Bundesliga to play for Bayer Leverkusen. And um, he was spotted at a youth tournament. And he came and he was he was good enough. He was good enough to, to play with them. But he had trouble adapting to life in Germany and like he was getting homesick. So they were allowing him to extend his training periods with the U.S. youth national team. So he's in Germany, but he's allowed to like train more with the U.S. because he's homesick. So okay. they give him that, right? Um, he plays for Bayer Leverkusen too, and then moves to the main team and plays there for a while. Um, but they consistently loan him back to San Jose Earthquakes because he just is unsettled, right? Aww. So in 2005, once his contract runs up, he goes to LA Galaxy. But then while he's at LA Galaxy, he he's performing really well and other teams want him. So he actually, while he's at Galaxy, goes on loan to other teams. Uh, one of those, Bayern Munich. So he like played for Bayern Munich and then he made it basically a habit for a few years there because you know how MLS season runs from March till October or whatever. Yeah. He would play, then go on loan to Everton, play there in England and then come back for the MLS season. So he season. was just nonstop. Just nonstop, <laughs> year round, just playing. Like, And he was good. He was, he was good. He could, he could actually hang. Like... He's a, one of those interesting cases where, like, just a brilliant, brilliant player, but if you're unsettled and you're homesick yeah. and you're not feeling and right. Also, like, I don't know, 17 is so young. Yeah. You know, it's it's unsurprising that it was, he wasn't able to settle, but. Yeah, there's um a few other players who I'll touch on and then we can wrap this thing up. But Michael Bradley is a pretty underrated, I think, and forgotten about American in Europe. I think he played a really really important role specifically with Roma he played for uh, Roma in Italy um, for from 2012 to 2014 he made 41 appearances and he was a pretty solid like engine there um, before that he was at Chievo also in um, in Italy uh, 35 appearances for them and uh, three the three years leading up to that 76 appearances at Borussia Mönchengladbach and before that 63 appearances for Aaron Vane in the uh, Dutch League so he really carved out an incredible career and it was very in my opinion kind of weird because in 2014 he was uh let's see uh, must have been 
mid twenties, right? Um, he left Roma. He was like mid twenties and he decided to go to Toronto and he came back and played in MLS. And I think that's a, a thing that we see a lot with American players. It's like, they'll be very successful and then they'll just leave and come back mm-hmm. to play in the States, like midway through their twenties or whatever. Um, I think that's really interesting. Uh, Obviously, he still plays at Toronto. Bob Bradley, his dad, is the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Josie Altador, kind of a similar story. Josie Altador, a very weird career as well. He was big with Red Bulls um, for two years, 37 appearances, 15 goals, earned a move to Villarreal in Spain, wasn't very successful, was sent out on loan a lot. Um, and he's a striker, so he's got to score goals. He went on loan to Hull City for uh, a year, I think. 28 appearances, one goal, like very very bad and so he wasn't really comfortable and in 2011 to 2013 he goes to Holland to, to play for Azed Alkmaar 67 appearances almost 40 goals so he finds his form is playing incredible in Holland and everyone's like dude you should stay in the Netherlands like you're crushing it like you're in great form and he makes a move to come to England because he wants to fucking play in England mm. joins Sunderland 42 appearances one goal so he again just falls off completely and after that he went to toronto him and michael bradley kind of ended up there around the same time um yeah he did fine in toronto 140 appearances 62 goals but that kind of thing is also crazy because it just kind of depends where you are like the dutch league is really really great at developing talent and giving people a place to thrive and you see as soon as he leaves to go play in england everything falls apart because it's just it's things are different sometimes yeah um to close this out just the current people like we've talked about we talked about Leeds a little bit um tyler adams obviously is at Leeds. um christian pulisic is at uh, or pulisic however you want to say he's at chelsea but there's talk that he's gonna go elsewhere because he's not getting any playing time mm-hmm. now um uh, weston mckinney on loan also at Leeds. brendan aronson at Leeds. We'll see if leads go down. Those guys. Yeah, what's going to happen to them, you think? Oh, they'll probably dip. I, I, I don't know where they'll go, but I imagine those guys should end up at other in the top five leagues in Europe somewhere. Mm. If they if any of them come back to MLS, that's a failure, in my opinion. Mm. Gio Reyna, young Gio Reyna. He's at um, uh, Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga. He might become a Bundesliga champion this weekend. Yunus Musa. Uh, incredible young American player. He plays for Valencia, I think. Uh, Tim Weah, obviously, plays in uh, in France somewhere. And, of course, Falarin Balogun, our newest American our guy. Our newest American. <laughs> our newest American guy. He is playing... Brooklyn's own. Brooklyn's own. He's playing... Um, he's on, actually, on loan from Arsenal uh, in France. So he's playing in France. But the way I want to close this out... Is, uh, I'll read it right from the U.S. soccer official press release from May 22nd. Falarin Balogun celebrated his decision to play for the U.S. men's national team in the best way possible. He scored a goal and made some history, becoming the first American player to score 20 or more goals in a top five league in Europe. 
Yeah, freshly American. I don't know if we could claim all 20 of those goals, <laughs> but I think we can claim 19 of those goals or something. Listen, or no, was, we can claim one. He was born in Brooklyn. Okay, that's... Yeah, England claims 19 of those goals. We get sure. one. Okay. So that right there is kind of my overarching big picture history of Americans in Europe. There's definitely a lot of them that I missed, a lot that I didn't talk about. Um, you know, I mean, Kobe Jones briefly played. Uh, John O'Brien, an incredible, incredible talent who played at Ajax but lost his career to injuries. Um, there's a lot of guys. So, you know, if you are listening and you're like, oh, you missed this dude or you missed this dude or mm-hmm. you missed whoever, um, or even coaches, who Americans who coached oh, it overseas, send it to uh, callingallcasuals at gmail.com or tweet at us, callingcasuals. Yeah. Let, let me know what I missed. But, or just like, who's your favorite American yeah. that's out here representing on the international level? Yeah. What are your uh, kind of big takeaways from that? We went a little longer than I wanted to, but what do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it was interesting, like you said, that there's so many people that, like, kind of not end their career, but I don't know. It's like a lot of start and stop. Yeah. It it doesn't really seem like there's been too many of us at this point you know maybe now there will be but um too many americans that have just had like really long storied careers yeah in one place overseas and i kind of cherry picked like the guys who you know made appearances for the u.s national team and were like kind of bigger names there's obviously like a lot of smaller guys who sure you know maybe their career never panned out or maybe just things didn't work out but there's a ton of americans who like ply their trade overseas um it's just it's it, it's tough. It's a it's it's a tough thing to do, like to just play so far away from your country, and it has an impact on a lot of players. You know, yeah, even for like sure. the country you're playing in itself. Like the Josie thing is just always the craziest thing to me because he was so fucking good at that Dutch team. Yeah, like it was insane. He would score once. He would score every other game, pretty much, if not a little more than that. He had a great goal scoring record, and then in England, like just it's insane how little he scored it was just so weird um so you know Josie had a very very weird career but that's how it goes Landon too Landon could have really been like world and he was world class but he could have been like he could have proved it to everyone to Europe to the world I think he was like I don't need to prove shit I'm just gonna play soccer which I respect yeah I mean at least he still had a successful and kind of long career yeah even if it wasn't a legend absolute legend greatest um, greatest American player of all time either him or Tim Howard for me yeah Um, all right shall we take a quick break I see producer Eric is back from lunch he's waiting patiently at the door he wants to get in here and tell us all about his pop 11 all right let's yeah let's take a break and let him in all right Hey, welcome back to the very final part of the show that everyone knows, everyone loves. It's the Pop 11. And this week, producer Eric wrote up a wild Pop 11. He called it... Well, you can call it... What'd you you call it? You can say it. A bizarrely broken bunch. The bizarrely broken bunch. (laughs) This is a Pop 11 of weird injuries. Mm -hmm. Is that right? 
It is indeed. Um, did you get grossed out researching this at all? I haven't looked at it yet. So I did not. No, no you it, didn't. it was actually very interesting. He's got an iron stomach over here. Yeah, I was I was really nervous, but I haven't seen anything so far that's like. There's a couple oh on there God. which which are a little bit iffy. The, there's also a video on there that you guys can watch. I will um, not be watching not any, watch videos. any videos either. That, that's a mistake. I feel like you guys should definitely. <laughs> no, have a I pee. hate like. It's not that bad. Sports it's injuries Amy, are, Amy, that's like that my bad. least favorite I'll video watch to it watch. first and I'll let you know. Okay. Okay, Amy, why don't you start um, us off? Where do you want to kick us off? All right, we'll, we'll just kick it off with the goalkeeper. Oh, and we're playing a classic 4-4-2 here. I like this. Classic. It's old school. Just, you know. Wow. Um, all right, but at, at the goalkeeper, we got Alex Stepney. Uh-huh. He was a Manchester United goalkeeper from 1966 to 1978. Made a lot of appearances and, you know, was pretty good. Um, but in a match in 1974 versus Birmingham, he screamed at his teammates so hard that he dislocated his jaw and no. had to immediately leave the match. That's pretty This is probably the most ridiculous injury. Um, back then, goalies were not allowed to be substituted, so a defender actually had to step in and take his place. But fortunately, it wasn't all bad because they did not concede a goal. So Wow. Well, it shows Only how important a step he was. lost in the end. <laughs> I, saw, I don't I, know how long his recovery took. But. This this research says that he scored twice from the penalty spot in his career. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty wild. Um, also, a little bit of insider knowledge. Um, Talk into the microphone. That's the side of it. <laughs> in that match... Uh, he got absolutely clattered early on, like in the head region, and so I'm pretty sure that contributed to his jaw. Oh, uh, so, so his jaw was already like on. a little loosey goosey. It, it was a little bit iffy. It was a little bit unhinged. Like, how crazy! Literally like, unhinged. <laughs> oh no! Because it's dislocated. Yeah, is there footage of that? Like, I that just seems. I thought you just said you don't want to watch the video. Well, yeah, now she <laughs> wants the video. No, like, I'm on. just. I just want to see how. You ever watch a video like, of a snake he eating was... like uh, a toad <laughs> okay. or something? That's Alex <laughs> Stepney. Really. He just unhinges that thing. Oh my people, god! People like, what's Alex Stepney's number? Um, all right. Uh, moving into our defensive part here, we got uh, Rami Kaib. Rami Kaib, Tunisian left back. Um, he. Uh, He's he he got okay. I'm gonna just read this. Rami Taib, Tunisian left back, moved to Heronveen in uh, January of 21. It's a Dutch club. Uh, he only made two appearances before injury struck. And what was that injury? He received a bang in the face in one of the matches and thought nothing of it until he ended up dislocating his jaw several days later while eating a carrot. He ended up missing five weeks of action on the sideline. So same idea as Stepney. Uh, he got hit in the head and then later realized, oh, shit, my jaw has been dislocated because this man was trying to munch on a carrot. So it's so insane, like how that actually works. Like, how does how does a jaw work like that? How is that like, OK, and in place one day and then you're just having a carrot and, it's just, <laughs> and you're just on the floor, like in so much pain. Yeah, it's I don't get it, man. Unbelievable. That's, that's crazy. The, this this segment is not going to be good for my anxiety because it's just like have additional you been, things. I, but have you, you been hit in the face recently? I, sometimes I yell. Sometimes I yeah, scream. But the only reason it's not the yelling it was the getting hit in the face. That's what did it. You know, I eat carrots sometimes. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Moving on. All right, moving on. Uh, next up on our defensive line. This should line. be our captain probably, right? Because it's Rio Ferdinand. He's a fucking strong guy. Yeah, it's a, it's a 
Sorry, it's a pretty, it's a pretty funny story too. Okay, he's our captain. All right, our captain, Rio Ferdinand. Um, in November 2000, Ferdinand moved to Leeds United for a reported 18 million pounds, making him the world's most expensive defender at the time. Oh, how times have changed. <laughs> um, having played only eight matches for his new club, he suffered a strange injury at home and missed several weeks of action, causing headlines in the media. You know, they were speculating the mm-hmm. shit out of that. They're like, what did he do? As they always do in England. Um, His manager was quoted as saying it wasn't even on the training ground. He was watching television and had his foot up on the coffee table. He had it there in a certain position for a number of hours and it strained a tendon behind his knee. You know, I can relate though. I've like definitely sat weird and like something's yeah. fallen asleep. Um, but certain reports claim that he was actually playing pro evolution soccer on PlayStation. You know what? I was doing this the other night <laughs> and uh, my knees feel great. So. He was so in the game that he, he I always didn't notice that his. I do the same thing though. I put my foot up like this, but then like every so often I kind of do a little switch. Yeah. You know, I have to do like you a gotta switch. Move it, yeah. You yeah. gotta switch. You gotta get the. Well, if you're just really into the game, on. you're not even yeah. noticing. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a passionate guy. He was into that Pez. Uh, Sven Grondelin, Sven <laughs> Grondelin. He was famously forced to miss a World Cup qualifying match versus Finland after stumbling across a sleeping moose while jogging in the forest. The startled moose proceeded to chase after him and Grondelin was forced to jump and roll down a steep cliff to get to safety. He sustained a large cut on his leg in the process and that ruled him out of the upcoming international fixture. How do you not see a fucking moose, man? Aren't they like That's, the size of a fucking truck? Yeah, but Absolutely like insane. that Sorry. is terrifying. Yeah, like indeed. moose are so scary. I've and never seen fuck one. You up. I want to see one though. That'd be tight. They're actually like it's a dream of mine. Really gentle creatures, but like a big ass moose like that chasing after you I'm, yeah. I'm sure he was just absolutely scared for his life yeah well also when you're in like a situation like that where I don't know what situation he was in in terms of how which direction he can run but we have a friend friend of the show Cuba who once almost got eaten by a bear because he was on a hike and they were going around like a mountain right um, and so there was a steep kind of fit mountain face and there was like their path and then next to the path it was a drop off and um, they turned the corner and there was a big old grizzly bear and so they start backing up and they turned the corner and he told the other guys he's like there's a bear start fucking moving and so they ended up having to do the same thing run down the side of a th- when it got a little flatter they managed to run down the side of something jump a fence and they were like in some yeah. I don't know where they were but uh- um it sucks, you know? That's why I don't go hiking. Yeah, the outdoors are scary. I love, <laughs> love hiking. I'm not a big hiking guy. Don't do it. Um, all right, next up we have our left back, Alan Wright. He was a former left back for Aston Villa. And perfect that I got him because... Because he's a short king? He He's a short king. He's one of the shortest defenders to ever play in the Premier League, standing at just 5'4", which is wow. just a little taller than me. Just so. a little taller than Messi. <laughs> we love we love a short king, though. Um, but six, What's Messi? Messi's like 3'8", or something, Oh, my right? God. No idea. No, I think he's like 3'8". <laughs> Stop eight. with the Messi slander. <laughs> um... Anyway, his success allowed him to purchase one of his dream cars, a brand new Ferrari 348, which he was forced to sell 
only a month later. Unfortunately, his short frame coupled with the awkward pedal positioning and heavy clutch caused him great pain and eventually led to a repetitive strain injury in his knee. So he made the smart decision to give up his dream car, get rid of it and prolong his career. What a bummer. He was too short for a sports car. Aren't sports cars tiny? Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah, but... I, I can see how like they're small, but you still have like his legs are short, so God, you sucks. still have to like, especially if it's a you know an auto or a like, manual oh, like yeah. where yeah, there's a, a heavy clutch, like that is a lot of footwork. Jeez, that sucks. Italian man. cars are weird too, like. But I'm like, is there no solution? Could they not put a thing on the pe- like a pedal extender or something? Yeah, like I don't know. Italian cars are weird. They don't really have a lot of like. Adjustability. Ah, uh, okay. Like in the oh. seats and in the yeah. pedals. I guess that I makes sense. I didn't know sense. we had a car guy Those on old the, ones on too. Like, yeah. yeah. And um, that like really sucks because that's a very nice car. I know. I and feel bad for him. Yeah. It's like his, your, it's your dream car. And then you realize, oh I'm, my God, this is going to ruin my entire well, career. Yeah. I, I'm glad he was like this. smart enough to, you know, to like put his ego aside and just be like, yeah, exactly. all right, fuck this car. Like I actually want to play. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like that in a lot of ways too. It's why I never, I'm going to get a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I just value my career too much. It's fuck, the, fuck my ego. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I had a chance. I actually had one, but I sold it because it was my editing. My podcasting uh, was suffering from it. It hurt your fingers. It hurt, right? my, hurt my fingers with those Italian flippy clutches or whatever. The oh my God. Paddles, paddles. paddle shifting. Uh, moving on into our midfield. Speaking of Italians, Ivano Bonetti. Bonetti? Bonetti. Legend. He signed for Grimsby Town in 95. He became a fan favorite right away, but the club could not afford his 100,000 pound transfer fee, which Oof. now it's not even a lot, but I guess... It's Grimsby Town. They're small. Um, half of the... So the fans decided to help out. They raised half of that 100K. And Bonetti himself covered the rest to bought himself, which is fucking wild. Um, in February of 96, uh, after a particularly dismal 3-2 defeat to Luton Town, Bonetti was... Si- uh, sorry. He was singled out for not trying hard enough by manager Brian Laws. Uh, and this argument escalated. And Laws ended up throwing a plate of chicken wings at Bonetti, <laughs> hitting him in the face and... Fracturing his jaw. Another oh my jaw God, injury. So many jaw injuries. Bonetti would leave the club at the end of the season. Rightly so. I mean, you got a plate of chicken yeah. wings thrown at you. It's very insulting. That is. At, at that point, I'd be like, I'd be like, it's him or me. I paid to fucking be here, and the yeah. fans paid for me. He paid. A fifty grand just to get hit in the face with a plate of chicken wings. That's yeah, insane that's to me. Insane. Like he's like, he was an Italian guy there. Like, yeah. In the, in the middle of like all these random English guys, like, yeah, in Grimsby as a foreigner, town. like yeah, everyone's like, you better be good, like like Gr- he's not English, like why are you here? Grimsby Town, that's in Cleethorpes in Northeast Lincolnshire. Cleethorpes, you know Cleethorpes? Cleethorpes, <laughs> this shit is like out in the middle of fucking nowhere, bro. I'm not even a English guy like that, but <laughs> you're not an English bloke. I'm not a like a right English bloke like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it seems like it's nowhere near anything. So for this Italian guy to even take a chance on this little and, team. And to pay a substantial amount of yeah, cash money to go to even play there. Yeah, it's insane. He gets a and pl- then this guy throws so chicken wings in his face. I would understand doing that to an intern. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, it's fucked it. up. <laughs> or a PA. Yeah, it's PA. I, that's when he orders that's, hot beef and hot coffee. Oh in, my God. That's, in Philadelphia, I didn't tell you this. We So in the media room before the shoot, we were uh, having dinner and he comes over to the table. He has a hot roast beef sandwich, like 
piping hot shred like yeah. carved mm-hmm. beef delicious and a steaming cup of hot coffee and i was like who what is this who eats hot beef and hot coffee together it's so fucking weird so <laughs> i threw a man I, well, I threw a plate of chicken wings yeah, in his right? face I threw, I threw a plate of chicken wings in his face and uh, so all right, he's, all right, he's leaving at the end of the season he's <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move. Let's move on. Yeah. Our next, our next midfielder is Ever Banega. Um, in 2012, when he was at Valencia, he was ran over by his own car. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Another un- unfortunate audio. This is like quite a ridiculous it's story. Cars but and jaws. That's what we're seeing. So <laughs> yeah, far. trend and, here and knees a little bit. Um. But it said that he was leaving training one day and he pulled into a gas station to fill up his car, but he failed to set the parking brake. So it his car, which was a Nissan Micra. What I actually don't know what that is. Micra? I like wonder right if it's, oh, dude, it's like a it's is like, it like a, a little center, like a, it's a Euro only model. It's like a little. Oh my fucking, god! It's like, uh, it looks like a little Fiat, a Fiat or something. Yeah, that's it's like a hilarious. little mini car. So this guy got run over by a Fiat. That's probably the only reason he's still alive. Honestly, if yeah. it was anything bigger, maybe he'd be dead. Um, but it proceeded to roll over onto his ankle, and he got trapped between the curb and the wheel. This ain't no joke. He suffered a double leg fracture that would require an operation and six months of rehab. And this came after he had just returned to training following a knee injury. So cars ain't no joke, man. They're not. Anton Yelkin got fucking killed by his car. Remember that Hollywood actor? He his car crushed him against the gate. I don't remember that. Anton Yelkin. I was like, damn, this is fucking nuts, bro. Gotta put your car in park. Gotta put that shit in park. Um, Next to Everbenega, we got Paulo Jogo, Swiss footballer. He played primarily in Switzerland. And in 2004, while he was at Servette, uh, he scored a pass for a teammate to score the third goal of the game, secure the win. And he was so stoked, he wanted to soak up the adulation of the fans. He climbed up a perimeter fence to salute the loyal fan base. Um, but he was a newlywed and he didn't notice. Oh, this sounds brutal. He didn't notice that his wedding ring got snagged on the fence and he jumped off, ripped off the ring, most of his finger. Oh. And then the referee uh, booked him for over celebrating <laughs> while the stewards were looking for his finger. Oh. Uh, they were unable. Doctors were unable to reattach the finger and he ended up amputating the remainder that was left. Eric very, very cleverly titled this story newly wrecked. <laughs> oh, my God. Most of these so far have been like that one kind of funny was this one yeah. fucking brutal also just the mental like I played it out in my ah in, a, in the first Amy. words from his wife Amy. were you lost the ring <laughs> Amy uh, it says a video no, no. This is the video. Absolutely not. This shit. Absolutely no, not. Thank just, you. just take a peek. Just no. take a no, peek. We can't you. do the video because if we put the video on TikTok, it'll get taken down. Yeah. And we'll uh, lose the content forever, it, much like his let finger. Me just, I'll just I'm ask you this. Is it as brutal watching it as it sounds? It's not that bad. Okay. I don't want to see it. Just kinda, it just kind of pops off. <laughs> <laughs> That's how fingers, they're meant to pop off. You <laughs> yeah, know? That's sure. why we have three knuckles, so oh, you can lose them at various parts. Uh, let's Oof, move on. Let's move hurt. on. Let's close out okay, the midfield. Yeah, I got to shake that one off. All right, closing out the midfield, we have Darren Bernard. He was a German-born Welsh international player, racked up over 600 appearances in English football between 1989 and 2010, so he had a long career. Um, however, in 1999, while he was playing for Barnsley, 
Bernard was potty training a brand new puppy. How cute. How sweet, right? Yeah. Kind of know where this one's going. Oh, yeah. Um, Having not noticed that the puppy, as they do, had peed all over his kitchen floor, he walked right into it, slipped, fell, and tore his knee ligaments. Oh, my God. All that for a dog. I know. That's and why I don't have dogs. The injury kept him out of the game for five months. This is insane. Yeah. This is, I mean, I'm telling you, all this stuff. I don't have a Ferrari. I don't have a dog. <laughs> I'm not married. I don't eat chicken wings. It's for all of these reasons here. <laughs> or carrots. Or carrots. Cannot eat I a like carrot. that, like, really, for the most part, these have been off the pitch, like, yeah. injuries, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's the best way to do it. Um, moving on to our strike partnership. Honestly, pretty fucking ball and strike partnership. This is the strongest part of our team. Uh, how do you say it? Darius Vassell? Darius Vassell? Yes, sir. I think you got it right. Um, what the first one? Yeah. Uh, agile and pacey forward. He played for Villa. He played for Man City. Yeah, he had a pretty good little career there in the Premier League. Excellent career. In 2003, while he was playing for Villa, he was experiencing extreme discomfort due to a blood blister under his big toenail. Um, you ever had a blood oh, blister under your big toenail? That's how you didn't you get your whole toenail ripped off recently? I, I have, yes. Oh my god. Oh, uh, I can't. I've been having lots of issues with my toenails lately. You keep getting stamped, dude, because you're get, not quick enough. I get stamped all the time. I don't think it's just because I'm quick enough. I've or played. I've played. The defenders are uncoordinated. It's probably a combination of both. But I currently don't have my two large toenails. I've played for as long as you've played, and in my entire life, I've never had a to knock on wood, never had a toenail problem from soccer, well, because I'm quick, bro. How often do you play? You play in goal, bro. I now play in goal, but back in the day, dude, I played more than you, okay? I played more than you. I played every single week, multiple times a week. I played for my college. I was out here, and I was not getting stamped, because I'm quick. I'm like oh a little rabbit, bro. Alright? Enough of that. Uh... <laughs> Vassell had I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Vassell had a blood blister uh, under oh. his toenail. And so in order to relieve the pressure and get the blood out, he proceeded to drill into his big toenail with an electric drill, giving himself a blood infection and needing his entire nail to be removed. And he ended up missing three matches Dude. due to his DIY surgery mishap. A blood infection like that shit can kill you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I if it's not caught, I soon definitely enough. would not be drilling into my own toenail. Like it was That's, lucky that it started at his foot, because if that gets to your heart, yeah, you did. You did, but I, I, well, never use a drill on your body. That's like <laughs> yeah. kind of the big overarching <laughs> idea. Here. Rule of thumb: Maybe like, don't a, like a, DIY a, a surgery, yeah. <laughs> like on yourself. I'm I not a know. doctor, but I would like maybe not use power tools on your body. Oof, that That's one's... a CAC official tip for, yeah, for all the casuals <laughs> listening: <laughs> don't use electric drills <laughs> on your try. body. This at home. Never take like ne don't ever do as soccer players do. They're all pretty fucking stupid. Like I mean, there are we should do a eleven of smartest soccer players because there's a ton of those. That's gonna take too much research, bro. It'll be pretty easy. Um, I mean, I can start. I'll be the manager. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I just want to say um, this one was really interesting because all these guys have access to like. Uh, World class healthcare <laughs> yeah. at their clubs. Like, yeah. why are you are you drilling into your own toe when you can easily head into training the next day or just have have, have a doctor it. assess it and yeah. treat it? Like, that really blew my mind. I don't know what what the fuck his deal was. He's DIY, dude. Wow, DIY till I almost die. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! All right, well, let's finish out our starting eleven here. Um, we have Carlos. Tevez, 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 yeah, um, legend, 
he was, looked like it looks like a caveman a little bit. Oh, God. that's a funny visual, especially considering the story. Um, but yeah, he was briefly one of the world's highest paid players. Mm-hmm. Um, he earned a reported 41 million when he joined Shanghai Shenhua. Yeah. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, However, he was criticized during his time there for being overweight and unfit to play. So he did return to his boyhood club, Boca Juniors, the following season. He scored three goals and assisted two others in his first seven matches until injury halted his season. It was reported that while visiting his half-brother, who was in a maximum security prison... Jesus... Carlos decided to have a little fun and join a game of prison yard football. Um, so he That's played. That's probably an incredible memory for the prisoners. They're probably <laughs> yeah, so stoked. Absolutely. That is yep. true. Um, however, he did injure a muscle in his calf, which ruled him out for a month. You got to stretch. You gotta stretch. <laughs> That's where he fucked up. Obviously, you know he went in there with absolutely no warm up and was like, "I'm yeah, just so, so, tooling all these inmates." Real yeah, quick. he and was like, immediately probably pulled it. Yeah, he was probably not like going in there thinking he's gonna be playing like football in the prison yard. But yeah, yeah I think you know that was maybe worth it for the one month injury. Like good deed. Um, but obviously, club owners and fans were not pleased. That he yeah. was so careless with his fitness. Like, yeah, he uh, got hurt in playing in a prison game. All right, <laughs> let's go to our owner and manager, our manager, the GOAT, Louis Van Hall. I love Louis Van Hall. I think he's amazing. Uh, in 2021, the 70-year-old manager fell off his bike while on his way back to the team hotel oh. after overseeing training with the Dutch national team. Um, having previously had hip replacement surgery, the fall <sighs> injured his hip again. He was unable to walk, um, and he took charge of training in a golf cart, and he had to do press conferences on Zoom because the wheelchair didn't fit through the doors. Oh, my God. A lot of annoying stuff. In 2007, actually, he was also forced to use a golf cart in training while coaching Azed Alkmar after breaking his ankle pole vaulting at a college reunion party. So the Dutch, know, the Dutch know how to party. The Dutch know how to have fun. Wait, pole, like pole vaulting at a party? It just sounds like a bad car. There's also a classic video of him turning into a chicken, which you got to check out at some point. Okay. Um, sounds interesting. It's really good stuff. I think I'll have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Um, all right. Our owner is Frank Lowey. He was the chairman of the Australian FA from 2003 to 2015, and he's largely given credit for resurrecting soccer in Australia. Socceroos. The Socceroos. Um, this is a little bit of a sad story, though. In 2015, when he was 84 years old, he fell headfirst off a raised platform while presenting the A-League trophy to the league winners. Yeah. That's brutal. It's sad. It's like sad, you know, but there's also a video of this. I'm sure there is, but it's it's just sad because he's like, why are we? It sucks that we decided to end it on. You should have given us a little more guidance on this producer. (laughs) The fact that we were like, we asked at the beginning, where should we start? Eric, total silence. And now we're ending on an old guy. We're ending on an old guy falling off a stage. That's so brutal. Yeah. I mean, he ended up, well, he did have to have a surgery because he got a blood clot in his brain. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and he resigned from his position so later it, that it, it year. It kind of ended his career. His career. It's like it is really it's sad. Fucking whack. Um, well, Frank Lowy, Lowy. Sorry, Frank Lowy. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Well done. Yeah, this that was, was fun. A, that was a really good Not one. Not too bad. I, th- there was only one story that I was like, oh, the I cringy can't. one, the finger. Yeah. yeah. Most of yeah. them were like pretty, what about the toe? pretty funny. Uh, the toe was bad, but not as the finger, man. I can't just. I think the funniest one is getting hit in the face with a plate of chicken wings after paying that to one, move <laughs> to the club. Absolutely the funniest thing ever. Um, all right. And you know, Italians don't even really eat chicken wings like that. I yeah, dude, the, that's why uh, it's like you got abused by an American food from a British guy. Why yeah. are there chicken wings? <laughs> In the locker room after a match, like who's out there? Like, 1996 was a different bowls, time. Eating bowls of chicken wings, dude. It like, was a different time, just like 30 years very ago. Very different times. Um, all right, let's get to it. We're getting to this week's picks, uh, next week's picks, this week's picks, whatever. Um, Montreal hosting Inter Miami. I got Miami. I picked a draw. Montreal home team. Yeah, home team. That makes sense. I just just a little bit of my logic here. I. Th- think they're like the Canada tournaments going on right now so maybe they'll be a little tired I don't yeah know. they could be tired Who I knows? think I draw I think both teams are mid um, New England uh, <laughs> are hosting Chicago the revs have got to come back they're I not going to lose two in a row I think so they're too. not going to lose to Chicago we all got revs yeah they're at home as well um, Amy also keep in mind you got to have a score for one of these yes uh, um, oh, shit, uh, New York that. City are hosting Philadelphia at one of their many uh Many homes, City Field. So City Field is where the match will be this okay. time. Philly versus NYCFC. I got NYCFC. NYCFC. No way. I'm going Philly. I wa- Philly are our Philly are back in a big way. The zero zero draw at midweek, whenever that was, was one thing. They're back in a big way. They're scoring goals again. And fuck NYCFC. Um, Orlando City are hosting Atlanta. You know, I picked Orlando. Yeah. They had a huge week last week so yeah. i think um they're gonna be at home yeah get that home team win i, I think high scoring draw i think two okay. two draw that was that's my my pick this week for my uh, actual like score okay but i think two two draw i think it's gonna be high scoring uh, um yeah i'm excited to watch that match actually i'm liking atlanta on this one all right uh toronto hosting dc united i got dc DC. Yeah, what's, what's the logic here in picking DC for you guys? I um, kind of again that like I don't know they might be tired. I know Toronto's yeah. home, but I'm just I'm pulling for DC. Toronto have been having a lot of. Uh, I'm ter- going on form. Tor- Toronto have been having a lot of turmoil in the club where like yeah. there's actually it's it's turning out that there's two main it's starting to split the internal sources are saying there's like two main factions in the club some are like pro bob bradley some are pro the owner of the club and things are the going italians really crazy hate bob dude the yeah. italians hate bob yeah and, I, it, and it's wild what's actually like happening over there right now yeah. inside like in the team yeah mm-hmm. club is in turmoil um but so, i'm still going toronto okay i just believe in the italians i think i think bernardeschi and um insigne are very talented players and there is no team chemistry I don't think there. DC yeah but I don't think no DC, DC can't defend though DC can't defend at all bro they like, won 3-0 last week yeah but who'd they play yeah see I don't know I'm just asking I'm just trying to trying to who, back my who argument who did they play up. hold on I just don't I, I don't I don't believe in I just can't go against Bernardeschi and Insigne like they're just so they're talented players they played LA Galaxy uh, they're shit LA At Galaxy home. are fucking shit bro uh, look enough I heard it all Toronto <laughs> um, St. Louis are hosting Vancouver I got City me too 
St. Louis are absolutely flying right now. You guys are yeah. crazy. Yeah. St. Louis are, yeah. are playing yeah. really That's well. That's who we picked. That's who we picked. St. Louis City. Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, crazy. Like to yeah. I, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I think we all got that one yeah, across St. the Louis board. Yeah, St. Louis across the board. Uh, and usually, you know how that goes. When we pick one across the board, it means something else happens. Yeah. Uh, Houston hosting Austin. I had a draw for this one. I went Houston. Austin. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't I still I just don't believe in Austin this season. I don't know. I don't know if I really like no. I'm kind of just like Austin a, are solid on both no. teams. A very solid team. No. I don't like them. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> that sounds personal. Yeah, it is. Uh Minnesota hosting Rail Salt Lake. I got mini baby. I also picked Minnesota. Again, I also all, picked all Minnesota. Oh, okay. I, was, I was about to pick a draw, but I think RSL played just midweek. Um, and I also just think the travel from Salt Lake to Minnesota is kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, I got Minnesota, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Seattle hosting, uh, no, I'm sorry, Colorado hosting Cincinnati. I had a draw on this one, a 1 1 draw. Um, Cincinnati, man. Cincinnati. They're good. Yeah. They are good. I'm hoping for an upset. I said Colorado. Yeah. The altitude. Yes, sir. Is that what sparked it? Yes, sir. Yeah. You, you didn't pick Colorado this week. You, you've been picking I the felt, Rapids, but I, I guess they are playing. I fell out of love with Colorado because oh, okay. they're good again. You know? oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on to uh, Toronto as my my bad team that I'm going <laughs> to fucking right. pull for. Uh, Seattle uh, hosting New York Red Bulls. I said a draw. Very. I'm surprised by both of your answers. I said Seattle because it just is a no-brainer to me. That's 100% yeah. going to be Seattle. I just, I don't think that the Red Bulls are going to win, yeah. but I'm hoping that they can at least, like, hold. I love the Red Bulls, but they're so trash. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. They are absolutely I mean, garbage. Seattle's going to win that game, but... That's what yeah. I think. But I want them to win, and I said Red Bulls. Okay, I love it. Uh, San Jose are hosting Dallas. I got San Jose on this one. I picked Dallas just kind of to be a contrarian, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I said draw nil nil. Oh, I think this game is sneaky, like has a sneaky chance of actually being a great match. Like if one goal goes in early, I could see it going back and yeah. forth because San Jose are pretty. They have some some. They have yeah, Ibobase, I like, they I have like Espinosa, and you know obviously in Dallas you got Jesus Ferreira. I think that both teams can actually attack pretty well, but who knows? It could be a standoff. And that's what you're hoping for. At the PayPal Park. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and then Galaxy are hosting Charlotte, and that's the last game of Saturday night. Yeah, I got Galaxy. Um, I said draw. I, I think that the trip across the country fucking sucks, but I think Galaxy are so bad, I think Charlotte are going to draw. Yeah. Chicharito's going to get a goal. Okay. LA Galaxy are going to win. <laughs> every week. I'm, I'm calling Chicharito every, every single week. Happens. Do something. Um, okay, and then on Sunday, we actually have two Two really good Sunday games. Yeah. Um, Sporting Kansas City are going to be hosting Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked Portland, obviously. Yeah, I you know I wanted to pick the Timbers, but I said draw. I just yeah. I, I think it's going to end. It's going to have to be Sporting for me. I can tell you what's going to happen. Uh, Portland are going to give up a goal in, in fucking stoppage time of the second half again, and the slump continues. And something is going to. It's the result will change in some way. Yeah. But I'm still going to go Portland. Don't give a rat's ass. Uh, Nashville are going to be hosting Columbus to close out the week. The I, two the two yellow teams playing each other. Yeah, that's going to be interesting visually. Um, It'll be fun. But I got Nashville. 
I also got Nashville. I got a draw. I think the week will end on a draw. I think both of those teams are very talented. Yeah. And I have fantasy players from both midfields, so I'm very excited. But uh, I think uh, a draw for that one for me. Yeah. Um, all right. What are you most excited for this week? I said Nashville Columbus. There you go. The yellow game. The yellow game. <laughs> the yellow match. Yeah, let's fucking go. <laughs> uh, for me, Bundesliga, uh, the yellow match of sorts there too, yeah. because Dortmund might be uh, the champions for the first time in like a decade, which yeah, will be crazy. That's, that's coming down to the wire. I'm huh? really, really excited to see both of those matches side by side. I watched Bayern Munich play Leipzig uh, last week, and uh, are they at Leipzig the same time? had a great uh, second half. Yeah, they're at the same time. The kickoffs at, the same, at time. the same time. I think they're both 9:30 a.m. kickoffs. And Ooh. you know me, I'm an early riser, so I will be up for it. <laughs> yeah. Early bird gets the worm, uh, dude. Early bird, hopefully, get two worms. <laughs> I want to watch both matches. <laughs> Uh, what are you most excited for? I'm excited for the Premier League, the last week of the Prem to decide Finally. to decide who gets relegated, who survives. What Every, are your predictions? on the line. Who's getting relegated? I think Leeds and Leicester. All the Americans and with Leeds are going to be playing the championship or we'll get a transfer somewhere else. So oh, man. We'll see. It's going to be really interesting, but it's going to come down right to the wire. So anything can happen and it's going to be a crazy day. It's going to be a crazy Sunday morning. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, Amy, where can the people find us for all of their social media needs? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Calling Casuals. That's right. You can hit up our inbox. We are calling all casuals at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Send us your questions, comments, thoughts. Yeah, give us stuff to talk about. Yeah. Topics. Eric can't do all the work. <laughs> Help producer Eric out yeah, a little yeah, bit. Please. Um, and you can find us on TikTok. Give us a follow at Calling All Casuals. Once we hit 4K, we're going to have some content for you. So. Hell yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you spending another uh, bit of time with us. Uh, Amy, thank you for hosting. Uh, producer Eric, thank you for producing. Alexi, uh, thank you. Hey, no problem. And remember, keep it casual. Productions Podcast.